This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You're listening to the To Hull and Back podcast. And this is a quick word from Rich Anderson of our podcast sponsors, The FIFA Factory. Do you play FIFA? Do you want to escape the toxicity of champs? We play online friendlies, squad type 90 overall, anyone from Cheltenham to Chelsea, across both consoles, Xbox and PS4, 8 active leagues of 10, 5 on the Xbox, 3 on the PlayStation, 18 league games and a minimum of 1 cup competition a season, 3 teams go up and 3 teams go down from each division, games played over the space of 4 weeks and all games arranged through Messenger. Gelsman gets there, another good kick from him, and here's Houghton now, Houghton going past one man, finding Wagstaff, Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. Now then guys, welcome back to the Hull and Back, it's been a while, life gets in the way sometimes, but we've had a, I hope everyone's enjoyed the close season and watching the chaos of the playoffs from um, a relatively comfortable position, knowing that we've we've already wrapped up the title. Playoffs are bloody great. Yes, they are. When you when you win them, they're very good. And, yeah, and as a neutral, as a neutral, even better. Yeah, these ones are especially like all of them. Every league, maybe barring that final today, that was quite dull. But the others were mad. I think Brentford are going to be a very good team to watch in the Premier League. I like their club model. I like what the, how they're doing things. So yeah, but yeah. So what we'll do then is we'll just do a quick review of the season. Obviously. We had some plans to do this in a better way, I think, um, but everyone's hectic lives kind of gets in the way. So we'll just do one for ourselves. We'll do the ISO generic, what we expect, you know, your best best players, best signings, best performances, favourite moments, favourite goals. We'll go through them all. If any of you disagree or agree, you can tweet us and, and, and let us know something different. But I think we'll go with with the obvious. Should we start? Obviously, player of the season. I think we all know what, what we're going to say. Well, who was your player of the season? To be fair, there is a lot of players who... There's a lot of players that have definitely deserved a mention, but there's only one who's absolutely going to win this, and it's George Honeyman. Yeah, can't disagree. He was the fans' is player it? of the season. He was the players' player of the season. He got, the over, he got all three of the player of the season awards from the club, which I think just says it all. Yeah. So what, what, what do you think that... I know it's obvious as City fans, but describe that. What? How? Why has he won Player of the Season on on all fronts? What's he done to to deserve it? He's just completely run game. Almost every game where he's had an impact, he's just completely run the midfield. Like 
it's hard for any team to contain him whenever he, when he's on when he's on one. He's yeah. just he, his delivery, his passing's fantastic. His delivery's fantastic. He's, he's he runs all over the place. His stamina's ridiculous. He, he's a decent finisher, even though he obviously hasn't scored many. But when he has, he, he has got a decent finish on him. Um, obviously got plenty of assists, and he just he has the right character as well. Yeah, he has he has he has a, an infectious enthusiasm. I think is the is the phrase we're looking for. He's yeah. It's not just. It's easy to look at his attacking stats and his impressive assist count and stuff, and think, right, yeah, this guy's had a very good season. But um, I think earlier, Man, Man, Man's a league one de Bruyne. Yeah, but and isn't it, yeah, but it's in a, in a different way because like yes. I don't watch every match of Man City, but I don't know how much De Bruyne tracks back. But the thing about Honeyman and why I think he's one player of the season is because it's literally all of his game. So yes, obviously he gets lots of assists. Yes, he creates lots of chances, but. The way that he is just like a non-stop dynamo in the middle of the pitch, he runs back, he makes tackles, he intercepts. He, he has like a lead, he has a captain quality about him. He, he pulls all the rest of the team up when they're playing bad. Um, he single-handedly takes the game by the scruff of his neck. He will go back, he'll collect the ball, he'll drive us forward. And it just showed like, you know how important a player is to the team when when they don't play and you struggle. Oh, and I think at any time that Honeyman's not played, we have struggled to... It's a different side. Even, yeah, to create, we struggle to create chances. We struggle to get a grip of the game to control it in the middle. We get under a pressure a bit more. It's just his all-round game this season has been phenomenal. And I, I think if you look at all the the stats charts for most midfield areas, he will have been probably in the top three for most of them. And and think that's literally just hands down the reason why he's one player. I don't know how he didn't. League One player of the season is a weird one because similar to Ballon d'Or, I just feel like sometimes goal scoring gets you know strikers as some sort of um... well, so, yeah that is true. Um, but um, Buendia won it for Norwich in the Championship, so the create more creative players do get the nod sometimes. Uh, to be fair, I wasn't I didn't think it was either the well they didn't get player of the season in League One because I expected someone like Clark Harris to win that. Um, but I mean, he got in the team of the season, which was all I really was bothered about. If he hadn't got in that, I'd have been angry. Yeah, Alex, like, so, the Ballon d'Or thing. I mean, I think at the moment, like Angola Kant is probably the name that everyone's going on about at the moment. Yeah, and he's never, he barely never scores. Yeah, that's true. I just think that obviously the the vast majority of of player of the seasons or major competition winners, individual award winners, usually comes down to goal scoring. Is is what I was getting at more. Oh than, yeah, in general, because like, you know, your appreciation players. For, they just grab the eye more, don't they? Yeah. But it don't matter anyway, because he won our player of the season, and that's what matters. We won the league, so... <laughs> but, yeah, he was he was my player of the season, too. Same reasons. Obviously, we don't need to say it twice. We all know how good he is. I'm hoping that he can continue it in the championship. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he can play to the similar standard to what he was in this league, and that it's not just league ones, his level kind of thing. Because I think his numbers and, and how well he did shows that he, he is too good for league one. So, oh, yeah. in that logic, he should be, you know, just as good, if not as instrumental for us in the championship. So, well, we've I got that to hold on to. I'll imagine he'll be different than he was last time in the championship because he plays a different role for us than he did then. Yeah, and he's more settled. Obviously, he's got, yeah. you know, he's, he's not a newbie in the team this time. He's not probably a bit more hesitant to make decisions. I think um, we can be a bit harsh as football fans judging new signings, you know, when you're coming into a new team of players and people you don't, you know, have sort of them in pitch partnerships with. So, you know, he's, he's settled in that midfield now. Him and Doherty, I think, are going to be 
very important as a as a championship duo in the middle if we're going to try and be competitive. So yeah, we we, we both agree then on George Honeyman being player of the season. I think this one will be quite tough. Who's your young player of the season? It's nice to have quite a few choices for young player. We was having such a young the squad being mostly in the early twenties. And I saw a I think on Twitter the other day someone had put a, a table up if only if players who were under twenty three only their goals counted, which obviously is a pointless start. But City would have yeah. won the league by even more if only those goals counted. Which is how much our youngsters are involved in our most important part of the pitch. Whereas I think like Peter, Peterborough, who finished second, were like mid-table on that table, and like Sunderland, who were third, were nearly near the relegation zone. Um, Blackpool, I think, were, I think Lincoln were the only other team who was up in the top six still. So yeah, we're one of the few teams up there who actually our youth is the reason we're doing so well. Um, but if I had to pick one player, um, it's Jacob Graves. It's, it's got to be Jacob Graves. The way he's come in, sort of, essentially as the device replacement, device not having the greatest time before, but was still a big presence, and he's just overshadowed him completely. Obviously, being this, being a whole lad, he has, obviously, pre, his dad used to play for us, obviously, as well. But he just he's so mature for his age. The way he plays like a player who's 10 years older than he is. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I mean, the thing is, is like, obviously, we've got so many contenders for it. I mean, like, you've got Greaves, you've got Keen Lewis Potter, Malik Wilkes. It is hard to, I think you've got to judge it on the impact. I think I'll go on with you, with Jacob Greaves, and it's only for, for one reason against the others, really, is that Greaves, I know Keen Lewis Potter is a similar situation where he hasn't played much first-team football either because we sort of threw him into the deep end last season as well. But Greaves had a loan spell at, was it Cheltenham in League Two? I think it was Cheltenham. He had a loan spell there, and then he's he's been chucked into the starting eleven of a team up at the top end of League One, and he never looked out of place. And I think that, to me, just shows the maturity and the quality of him as a player that he can step into Jordy Device's place, who wasn't a bad player. Well, in phases, you know, he... he I felt like he had a lot of dips in and out of form. Towards the end, he wasn't great, but in terms of when, when he was on it, Device was really good. But yeah, I and, think and when the, Greaves has played Greaves when Greaves has been on it, I think he's been better than Device ever was. I know obviously, yeah. I mean, I think, but I still think his performances because just I think just for his age, he's just so good. And he, he, yeah. I want to say, but he'll be playing for be the homeborn. Um, lad, be playing, I don't think he will be playing for City for much longer. I'm not going to lie. If he carries on as he is, no, I don't think. He, if he has a if he has a good year in the Championship, I think we'll be lucky to keep hold of him in the following summer. Yeah, he'll um, be one if of them. But as is, that he will be in the Premier League if he carries on. Yeah, absolutely. Really, has. I think it's more to the point as well that um, he is like the way that McCann wants to play with, like you know, being comfortable in possession amongst the back four. Greaves is that perfect ball playing centre half, mm-hmm. and the fact I like us having left footed. I've always, I'm always a fan. I even do this on FIFA. I will always have a left footed player on the left hand side of defence. I just think that it makes sense because one, the tackling with the, you know, if you have a right footed player playing on the left hand side of defence, they're tackling with the weak foot, and then more often than not, the passes are going to be a mistake because mm-hmm. you're also passing with your weak foot. So playing a left sided player there, being so young. 
having the weight on your shoulders of being a legacy player, which I think can probably play quite hard on some players. But the fact that he stepped into the team and he looks so comfortable, so confident, he's quite easily bringing the ball into midfield as well. Like, do you know what Maguire used to do for us in the Prem? He can do that. He's good with the ball at his feet. Like, he's not bad at dribbling. I just think for our system, he's perfect. And for the fact that he stepped in from, like, an academy level to League Two, then straight into a League One team and now a championship player, is testament to how he's improving and how much he has contributed to the team. The only thing missing from Greaves' game this season, and we all know it, is 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 his goals. Um, he should have had about seven, eight, maybe. It's ridiculous. He's, My his mind is absolutely fucking abysmal, but he is a centre back, I suppose. But still, yeah. Is, is, am I am I wrong in saying that some of the the city coaching staff saying that they they weren't working on headers as much in training because of the um, the impact of constantly heading the ball and players developing dementia that, after that the game. Could possibly, yeah, a concussion thing. It could very well be possible that because City do in saying that City like to pump the ball forward when they can't get any when they can't get forward. But they do try and pass the ball more than they do try and put it in the air. Yeah. I can't remember if if I've even seen it from a city. I just know that I seem to remember something from somewhere saying that um our academy graduates don't do as much with heading the ball anymore. That makes sense. Um, I mean, City rarely cross the ball outside of set pieces. Yeah. So, hopefully someone can correct me on that one if I'm wrong. But I do I do remember seeing something. I don't know if it was our club or it might have been somebody else's and I'm just affiliating. But um, I just do think football's going down that way, which is quite concerning because heading's a big part of the game. And I think, you know, you're going into this job, but you, 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 know, you, know, you know the potential effects. It's an occupational hazard, I suppose. I don't um, think it's concerning. I think it. I think it personally, it's a good thing to know the, the to try and combat it personally. Yeah, I but then you're going down the way. So, so my only my only thing with it though is is would you be all right with them eliminating heading from the game? Because if you're well, not, not going to practice, eliminating heading, but it's not the end of the world if you can't head it as much. I mean, you used to be able to back pass it to the keeper and he could pick it up for ages. And I imagine when that law got changed in '92. Most people thought that doesn't make any sense, but yet I would say it's a better game for it. You could argue not being able to head the ball means you might get a more passing, more technical game. Mm. Or alternatively, everyone wears head guards. <laughs> Which would be funny to see. I mean, like, um, obviously some players have to anyway, do they? Like Petr Cech always used to have wear one for understandable reasons. Like, uh, Ryan Mason had one made, obviously, when he was still with us before he decided to retire. And obviously, Ralph yeah. Jimenez is going to have to wear one when he comes back to I mean, the this is all hypothetical anyway. I mean, we don't oh, yeah. know, you know. I can't see him getting I, 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 I'm completely for trying to protect players as much as possible. Though. Yeah. I just don't want to see crosses and corners made redundant in a way. Yeah, um, you can cross it in, just volley it instead of editing it. Yeah. But you can't edit when it's when it's up there, unless everyone's acrobatic enough to do a bicey. But saying that, I didn't actually pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did say Greaves, didn't I? Yeah, I'm going to stick with Greaves. I think yeah. Keen Lewis Potter's um, late season form was very good. Yeah, Keen, um, Keen and, obviously, and then obviously Malik Wilkes was our top scorer. So um, I didn't want to pick Malik Wilkes. I think when you're doing a young player thing, I hate that the Premier League does young players up to like 24. That's not a young player anymore for yeah. me. Um, I try and pick him. No, I, it should be I like would say 20, 22 21 is the oldest. 21, 22. And like Wilkes is 22, isn't he? I think so, yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I, I'll stick with Greaves just for the fact that he seems to have gone from potential temporary fill-in to immovable, probably one of the first names on the team sheet every week. And I think it's going to be, he's another one that I'm excited to see how well he does next season. Um, obviously, against some of the better uh, strikers of the championship, you know, you got some ex-Premier League lackers in there now. Quite, I think I saw someone say 19 of the 24 teams have been in the Premier League of the championship next season. So it's going to be a very competitive league, but I think we'll get onto that later. So we've done player of the season, young player of the season. What about goal of the season? I thought we've had this conversation before in here, and um, when it was actually first, when they did the vote for it, um, I actually can't remember what he said then. So what I'm about to say now might be completely against what I'd said then. Um, oh, I think I'm not, Coyle, it? I'm not going to say Coyle, because I'm going to be contrarian. Okay. Because I, I, I watched the video again earlier today, and I, for mm. me, personally, I would go with Dockers' goal against Lincoln in the Cup, where he went past about, like, three players. Yeah, it was the nice. impression of, like, Maradona and just put it in the corner. Coyle's his ace, but I just, I prefer him more, like I say, I like a good thunder bastard, but I prefer more like I do prefer when they're a bit more technical girls. Yeah, like Coyles was more of a hit and her, whereas Doc Dockett's was was well intended from start to finish. Although he probably just you if know Coyles trained hit, his way through. If Coyles had hit the crossbar, I'd say that one because yeah. when, when a girl goes in off the bar, it's just like fifty percent better. Yeah, yeah, Coyles was. I just think for obviously Coyles won the official one, which fans voted for. Also, think more the sense of that it was. Swin- the um, Keely was against Swindon was a great one that I think people because it was further back in the season people don't remember it as much. Yeah, that's um, the actually the one that I was going to say. Oh, um, more because I just remember watching it and thinking, so that's what this kid's capable of doing. Because you know we we all know how good he could be and how good he is at that moment, but then in a tough, scraggy game like that, and he just decides to pick up the ball on the halfway yeah, line and just... Well, I was like, we lost that game, didn't we? Players and, yeah, we lost 2-1, it was poor. But the way he, he just decided to take the ball and go, do you know what, I'm having this. And he just went straight through the middle, like three or four players, and put it in the bottom corner. And it was like, you know, the confidence and the arrogance of a young kid to do that and just to think, yeah, this is what I'm about. Yeah, it was yeah. a good goal, I enjoyed that one. Another one um, I was a big fan of looking back when I watched the video of it was, and I, it wasn't really mentioned that much, um, Doherty's goal against Oxford. Yeah, a volley. It's always he's nice. away and just volleys it. It's a really high yeah. volley from just outside the box. That, that was his first goal as well. It was. Sort of started it, his little goal run. It's such a great goal. But I think because... Of we all, needed it's that. Just, it's just other goals are just a bit better. But, yeah. The, the, the context of that goal was big as well because we were playing really poor in that game. I think mean, that was one of them games where we tried to get back after the first, when they started letting fans back in, didn't they? But uh, like really reduced capacity. It was, yeah, I think it, it was the only game we played all season where we had those fans there. Yeah, and and we played really poorly in the first half. One of our usual stories, and then um, sort of recovered it in the also, second. But yeah, it was, elders only goal for us against was it Northampton? Yes. Yeah, but that's the similar to Coyles. It was a full Coyles. I think I referred yeah. it to Coyles because it was a bit of bend on it. Left footers can hit it like that, though, can't they, sometimes? I don't know why. It was like John Anarisa-esque, wasn't it? It was a very good goal. I think I prefer Coyles to Elders, maybe just because of the, the fact that it was like a last-minute winner after being 2-0 yeah, down. The context of um, Coyles really does help it a lot from 2-0 yeah, down to do that in injury time. I think if we'd won the Cup, that would have been really 
Oh no, I'm good. I'm good that we're not going to be in the in the Johnsons in the um, Papa, Papa John's truck. Yeah, I'm next not. season. As much as I love Papa. it, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so your goal of the season then was Dockies, yeah? Yeah, Doherty against Lincoln. I think I'm going with the majority, and I'm going to say Coyle with a special mention to to Keen Lewis Potter's one because that was that was a special goal. I'm trying to think if there was any others that we've missed. Doherty's from that then, another great uh, one. I can't remember who was against though. Uh, he killed it in from outside the box from into the top corner. Uh, oh, who was that again? Somebody was like, again, he scored an all right one against Portsmouth when he smashed it in. Yeah, he did, and he, he, I remember him smashing in like a, a free kick as well, as well against. He missed. He, he missed. Um... He missed a penalty, didn't he, McGuinness? He did. Gavin White, White scored. White, Gavin White scored. Northern he Ireland. Was the one who, he was the one who won the penalty as well for Northern Ireland. McGuinness was our one shot of having a player at the Euros. Fucking Northern Ireland, they have, they have to miss qualification. <laughs> well, Sky Sports actually referred to White as a whole city player, which I thought was interesting. Because he's not anymore. Uh, well, I hope he is. Well, they said, they said um, whole city player Gavin White. So I was like, oh, do they know something we don't? Uh, Probably not. He's... Sky. No, it's just it's lazy, lazy research. Yeah, it's just lazy research. It's Sky. Yeah. Well, it's correct, They're not I bothered. Do, I hope we do signing, to be honest. So I hope it's correct. Unless you're a Premier League team, the the, the standard of, of research that goes into the lower league teams from Sky Sports and, and whatever is quite embarrassing. It's like when pundits, when you're on telly for like one of the three times that you are in this season and the pundits try to talk about what's going on in your club and they really don't have a clue. I don't know. Even when the pundits, even when the pundits are on about big games, they're dog shit. I mean, did you watch the Europa League final at all? Yeah. The absolute state of BT's coverage of that. They were acting like Villarreal yeah. were completely nutter shite. And then Robbie Savage on commentary was possibly. I mean, Robbie Savage on commentary is shite at the worst of times. But it was on another yep. level in that match. I was so glad Villarreal won that. Christ. Yeah, it was. I mean, to be fair, BT's. Um, coverage as a whole is usually quite poor. I'm, yeah, when, I don't. Yeah, when when they're when they're doing when they're doing like English teams, it's actually quite poor, which is weird because I I watch the Bundesliga quite a lot on there, and it's actually quite decent coverage. The Bundesliga of everything else, it's crap. <laughs> right, we'll get back on to City then. Best signing. I think this one's quite tough because there's quite a few you can pick from, and for different reasons. Oh yeah, um, this is a this might be the toughest of the choices, honestly. Yeah. Um, go on, I'll let you go first because I'm well, I'm torn between two. Well, I'm gonna hopefully give you a chance to pick the other then. because uh, <laughs> I'm gonna pick Louis Coyle. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Louis Coyle, who it's weird because when he came in, obviously, I think initially he was coming in as the first choice uh, right back, obviously he was suspended at the start, but obviously Emmanuel was in place, and obviously the way Emmanuel was would have been a decent shout for a long time on the best signing of the season and on player of the season in general. Because he had, had a fantastic first half, but it was actually that Fleetwood game really where, and then from that point on, it was always Coyle. And for me, his his leadership, I think his ability at fullback, his defensive work and his offensive work at fullback has been superb. I didn't think anyone could have done better than Emmanuel at right back, but I think he exceeded him. And for me, having him and Elder as you as the, as the two fullbacks, just the way that our team played just worked so well. Yeah, I think the, the good thing is between Emmanuel and Coyle is that they're both two of the best right-backs in this league. It was hard for Emmanuel Yeah, it was hard to see when Emmanuel was playing a, a, a way that Coyle could get back into the squad 
and then vice versa. You couldn't see Emmanuel getting back in the squad when Cole started again. So they they just both they were as good as each other. I can't like you genuinely you wouldn't be bothered if you saw either of them starting. Like there there no. isn't a I think it'd be, you'd be very very rare you'll find another city player that'll be like, oh, I can't believe Emmanuel's starting. What's he doing? Because you won't be bothered. They're both just as good as each other, and I think that's for squad depth. That's so important. But then you've got to look at you know you like sort of Docky, obviously. I just think he is top half championship standard. Docky was the first name I was thinking when I first thought about it, but I just changed to pick someone a bit more defensive. I mean, there's there's, there's so many reasons for for so many of them, like. Richie Smallwood, yeah, I know, like, obviously his legs are catching up with him and the more the season went on, the you know, the more we his his impact sort of faded off, obviously, because of his injury and he didn't play too much. But his, I think, Smallwood's influence in the changing room has been... More important um, on the pitch, yeah. Yeah, I think him as a person, I think the reason that they've signed him and made him captain is because on the training pitch and in, you know, in and around the squad, he is he's a, he's a spirit lifter and I think he's the kind of... The, the kind of player that, that inspires everybody else to sort of up their game and maintain the standards. And it, it, it's, it, it's one of these questions where it depends what you wanted from a signing. So coming from the end of last season, which we all know too well was, was very poor, we did need that kind of signing that, you know, could pick up the players who were left from last season, as well as being experienced head to amount of youth that we had to bring into the team to fill in some of the, 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 the holes in the squad. You know, Richie Smallwood's been a great signing for that reason alone. For In terms of impact on the pitch, you're going to look at Doherty, you're going to look at Coyle, because, you know, they're both, I think Doherty's absolutely amazing to watch. I think from January onwards, he's been in the top two performers every single week. He don't go less than an eight out of ten. The way he drives forward is class to watch. Coyle and Emmanuel, both of them, um, great going forward, you know. I think personally, I would have said Emmanuel was better at sort of attacking and would contribute more in assists. But then Coyle started doing that more towards the end of the season. He was getting his yeah. fair share of assists. So he even eliminated that counter argument to it. So, you know, it's getting to a stage where just the summer recruitment as a whole was brilliant. But I mean, even Malik Wilkes technically was a summer signing because he was on loan. I, I, you know, I, I would count permanent. him just because he would be on loan and he didn't really go back. Nah, getting off on a technicality. But um, I think I would I would pick Doherty, um, just for I just he's he's easily become one of my favourite players in the city shirt. Um, I just think his his desire to play well, his desire to play the game. Um, you look at him, you know, he speaks passionately, he speaks well, he cares about the club, he genuinely wants to do well. He's selfless, um, and I think he is he's similar to Honeyman in the in the way that because of his energy levels and his performance. He lifts everybody else in the squad around him to make them play better too. So, I mean, I'd go to be with honest, Dom. when you look at, when you actually look at the transfers in general, most of them have all have been positive in the summer. So we got uh, obviously we got Malik Wilkes, obviously permanent. Louis Coyle came in, he's had a great time. Manuel came in, he's had a great time. Smallwood's been a great influence on the team. Doherty's been a great player. Alfie Jones, another shout. He's been he's been superb when he's played. And then you've got on some of the loanees like. I think Slater, obviously, he didn't have the greatest start, but I think when he started playing in that defensive midfield position, he was our best player in that position. Um, and obviously, Gavin White had a good season when he... And to be honest, look, even looking back, players like... I mean, Adelkin did have a horrible time. I thought he was all right. 
And Crowley, when he had replayed, looked decent. He didn't really have much time on it. Yeah. I mean, I liked, I liked Gavin White's impact as well. I did. I, I really like him as a player. There's just so many to pick from. I just think that the recruitment-wise, we've done very well that season. I think that's probably the reason we won the league is that, you know, we've we've been a bit savvy in the transfer market in quite a tough financial time as well, to say. I think, I think White was an improvement on Adelican, but I thought Adelican did all right looking back. Yeah. In hindsight. Adelican was what we needed at the time. You know, he added a bit of depth and a, and a different kind of option out wide to, to what we had. And it was a shame when he got recalled. But like we say, Gavin White was, I think he's more of a goal threat than what Adelican is. And I think he doesn't, I think my only ever criticism of Adelican was that in some of the physical games like Shrewsbury, for example, um, he, he, he didn't really want to get involved in them. He wanted his cup of tea and stayed a bit quiet. Where I think Gavin White's probably got a bit more about him. Um, I think in general, earlier in the season, whenever we played a physical team, most of the team didn't really want to have to do anything about it. Yeah, true. Very true. I think Wilkes is similar in that fashion. I think if he gets a couple of big yeah. hits, he, 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 like, he tends to shy off a bit. Probably scared to get, you know, sidelined for a bit. Um, which is understandable, really. Uh, so, did you did you say yours? Which one did you say? Which player did you choose in the end? Kyle. Yeah, fair play. Um, it was between Kyle and Doherty, though. I will say that. So it yeah. was either one or the other. What about then? We'll go from best signing to most improved player, and that that is season spanning. Um, well, he's already been mentioned in his Jacob Greaves. As I said before, he coming into the side virtually completely new and at the end of the season playing I could be our best defender in the middle it went from being to the new lad in to being almost our best centre back I think you see now my I, I, I think that's quite interesting only in the fact that I would have judged most improved by their level of performance so personally I would have picked a player that maybe wasn't up to scratch at the beginning but ended well, in, in, in that, that was the criteria whereas Greaves' like, performance we didn't really have anything to judge him against because he always played well for me True, like obviously he was he was not he, as impactful at the beginning because he was he, just you know in his feet but he's, yeah but it's a case of him coming from absolutely nowhere to being one of the yeah. best names on the sheet um, but I mean, that is, in, a, in, in essence, a, a, a sense of improvement because he, he's yeah. improved his stature in the club, so I'll if take we, that. If, if, if we're going to go by the criteria you said there, though, as well, I think Slater. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I was not a fan of Slater when he was playing further upfield and then when he started playing him as that defensive mid, completely different player. Nah, I don't think any City fan was particularly fond of Slater's early season perform, uh, performances, but I think it's a case of, you know, playing players out of position can can sometimes do that. We had that quite often under Brucey. I remember him playing like David Myler in left mid and some obscene position changes. I know like actually in the middle of the park, it's not that much different, but the amount of running that he's, he's um, required to do if he was playing in Doherty or Honeyman's position, he, he just didn't have the same level of influence and, and we struggled in games because of that. But yeah, when we got back, when we lost back, and then had to drop Alfie Jones into centre-back, and Smallwood was already injured, we knew what was coming. And I think a lot of City fans were like, oh, yeah, that's I, it. I, you know, admit, I was concerned. Oh, I think I, everyone was. If, you, if, you, if we went back to Twitter on that that team sheet that was named, and we saw Slater was starting, everyone would have been like, oh, 
I, and that's only because that. of his past performances. I, I know I was calling for probably Jordan Flores to play instead, I imagine. Oh, I keep forgetting that Jordan Flores is a player. <laughs> but yeah, Slater, Slater was ended up being very good. And I think he's, he's actually a player that I really want us to sign. Um, same. I liked, he's he's a bit, yeah, he offered something different. He, he did the same role as Jones and Smallwood, but because he's a bit more mobile and, you know, a bit leaner, he sort of had more agility. So he sort of did the game and the role differently. So whereas Smallwood and Jones would more man-mark and sort of um, be a bit more physical because obviously they're, they're a bit more, a bit bigger in stature. Slater can, tended to to cut passing lanes and strangles to, uh, strangle the team's options in the middle which allowed someone like Cunningham to come back and then retrieve the ball and take it up. So the way that Slater sort of operated and, and, and cut the options off, I really like how he did that. He kind of just, he runs in and sweeps up. And to have that variety in your game, you know, maybe where the likes of Smallwood isn't working against um, a quicker team, to know that you have someone like Slater to bring on would, would be very good. Um, but yeah, judging on Slater's earlier performances to what eventually we saw of him, I don't think there is really anyone else that, that you could pick. I suppose maybe you can maybe put claims in for McGuinness just based on last season. I, I didn't see him scoring as many as he did. I thought he'd be around the 10-11 goal mark. And even then, I thought that would be a good season for him. Ingram, you know, we, we maybe didn't see that much of him last season, to be fair to judge. But, you know, for a number two goalkeeper to go and force the issue and become the number one keeper consistently... Um, even after Long was, you know, reinstated back into the team and got a run of clean sheets, I think he got like seven in fourteen or something, didn't he? Um, um, Long, I think, played seven games and he got, I think, like four or five clean sheets in that time. Yeah, so to you know, to retrieve that position back off him when he's, well, he's essentially very good form. I don't know if that maybe constitutes the criteria of most improved, but. There isn't really anyone else in the team that started poorly and, and, and came back around, not in the same fashion that Slater did. Um, I'm trying to think. No. Reese Burke, personally, for me, on a level, I, I haven't really been the biggest fan of Reese Burke. I think, um, I think when Jordi Device was in form, it made Burke look better than he was. And he, he has like dips of in and out of form. I mean, he had a good goal scoring season this season with five goals back. And there is, there is a lot of games I can remember that that's been his poor positioning or um, him thinking that he's better at passing than he is that led to us losing possession and, and conceding. Uh, but to him then become quite a essential figure towards the end of the season, which which I thought we'd miss. We ended up not doing so because we had Alfie Jones, but I, 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 I warmed up to Beck towards the end is what I think I'm trying to get at. Um, I think if, he, if we do lose him, I'll be quite saddened. Oh, no, we've lost not, him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we if we're not competing financially with Luton, then you know, we need to we need to be stealing some blinders in the transfer market like we did with Alfie Jones. But I do like Beck. I just think that maybe his concentration levels were a bit a bit low. I don't know. Maybe if Jordy Device's little sulky attitude at the beginning of the season was a factor to that. But no, I don't think there's any other contender other than Slayer for most improved for me.
Right, welcome back to the brief little interval. We've only got a couple more topics to cover from last season and then we can we can talk about next season and, and, and plans for what we're going to do as a podcast through um, the summer. Obviously, we're going to try and be a bit more interactive and have people on with us. We can talk about most things. We can talk about this season. We can do nostalgic episodes. We can do all sorts. So, you know, if, if anybody does want to jump on and you've got a specific topic you want to talk about, hit us up. Um, we'll try and get it sorted. Uh, we've got five or six lined up, I think, already. So join the queue. Hopefully, we'll leave us with quite a bit of content that we can produce whilst City aren't obviously playing. But then we've also got the Euros that we can do as well. So so we'll talk about that later. Um, going, going, yeah, going back on the City, what would have been game of the season? And it could be performance-related, could be just the impact of the game. There's a lot of factors. Well, this was a tricky one, actually. Because I'm assuming you mean the one I enjoyed the most is what you're going for. Well, yeah, if that's the way you want to go about it. It could have been our best performance. It could have been mm. just the game that you enjoyed watching the most. Depends what you want, what criteria you want to diversify is the best well, game for you. I'll give you two for, because there's two different reasons for them. One of them I didn't enjoy watching, but I think it was our most important game. And one of them I did enjoy watching, and it was the game where we won the title. Um, but I'll go to the other one first, which is I think the most important game that City had this season was the one they lost to Ipswich. Because at that point, I know where you go. was very, very hit and miss. They'd had some decent, they, they were still decent, they were still up there, but they were on the verge of a run where if they didn't pull their fingers out, the teams around them would have been biting at their heels and possibly dragged them down. And McCann and the players have come out and said it, and McCann's come out and said it that after that Ipswich game, they had a reset. And after from that Ipswich game onwards, City played their best football for the rest of the season. They played so much better than they had done for the entire previous load of games. The they said the football was way better. The team just the team seemed more united. McCann. We always complain about McCann's tactics to an extent, but I feel like his tactics suddenly, his tactics were suddenly always spot on. It felt like, it did feel like it was a clean slate. And more so, it felt more like a clean slate than the relegation did in a way, which I know sounds really weird because of the way that it's the, the atmosphere around the club, even though they were near the top, always felt a bit, a bit on edge. But after that Ipswich game, the atmosphere around the club felt positive constantly and I think if that hadn't happened I think it's hard to say we'd have gone up or not but if, because that happened that's what that is why we won the title I feel for saying yeah it helped in a way it probably helps us find our identity and yeah. it somehow sparked that light bulb in the entire team that said oh this is the way we should be playing this is this is it this is our identity this is this is what we're going to do and they did it every game from that point onwards. And it was because, like you said, in, in, in the run-up to that Ipswich game, we, we were having games where we were coming out without even a single shot on target. And you look at the players that we've got and you think, how the hell does that even happen? Um, exactly. You look at the goals we've scored over the course of the season. And if we if we didn't have that drop, the goal-scoring stats, I think, would be immense. They'd be ridiculous. But so, yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that because that game kind of... We don't know what impact it had in the dressing room. We don't know what what 
you know, the management team have said to the to the lads after the game. But it does seem like that was the game that just made it click. It's like they all sat down afterwards and went, what are we doing? Like, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And everyone's just got together and said, right, come on, next next time out. Was it the Wimbledon game? Yeah, well, I think it was, wasn't it? February, February in general had been a very iffy month. We started it by losing to Burton. Then we drew with Lincoln. Then we lost to MK Dons. Then we comfortably beat Wigan. So there was there was a there was a decent point. But then there was a bit of a double whammy of the free all draw with Doncaster, where we'd been two goals in front with late into the game. And then the Ipswich loss. And the city looked in that time outside of the Wigan game, City did not look like a side near the top whatsoever. And Wigan had been beaten quite convincingly by quite a few teams at that point as well. Yeah, so like it seemed like you wanted to be special. It was good. It was good from a, a point of view of we needed it because of our last game against them. But it wasn't. It was almost expected. Even even when even though we were playing poorly, it was still almost expected. Yeah. And yet after the Ipswich game, we didn't lose until the final day of the season. We went was it thirteen games? Yeah, it was. Yeah, thirteen or fourteen. And when we did lose, it was after we'd already claimed the title. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll go on to my choice of my actual favourite game, which was Hull City 3, Wigan Athletic 1, because I felt that that was actually one of the best, not only was it one of City's best performances, the actual game as a whole was a really good game of football. I'd said it not long before about the, the, the crew game when, we, when Wilkes scored in the last minute. That was actually a really good game of football from both sides, um, and it was really good to watch from a technical level. And I thought the Wigan game was the same. Like Wigan, Wigan had we obviously had already got promoted, but we still had the title to play for. But Wigan had were still fighting for survival, yeah. so they were really going for it. Um, and they were playing really. They played decent football for most of the game, to be fair. And City counted it with decent football of their own. And obviously, the context of us winning a title, which we haven't done for a long time. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a nice double whammy because obviously Wigan stayed up as well, so it felt quite like quite a nice ending as well. Yeah, but yeah, that, I can see that. The, that was probably my favorite game of the season. Was the Wigan game? There were so many games in that run after the Ipswich game that could have easily been picked. Like there was obviously the the three 0 against Wimbledon was great. The three one over Peterborough was fantastic. And um, I like the Plymouth away game. I think more because their home yeah, form... Yeah, the Plymouth game was another quite good, And we, we sort of just breezed past them with ease. They didn't even really look under threat. And I thought that was the kind of game where you watched it and just thought, all right, fair enough. Plymouth, too was, good probably, Plymouth was probably the actual best performance overall of the season. I don't know. I think Portsmouth away was... That's true. And Ipswich was pretty good as well. Yeah. There, there's, there was like three or four games where we really did just blow the opposition away. We played absolutely full thrall and, and and put our chances away, which, you know, in most games we won by one or two goals. We could have had three or four. And there was a few games where we did get the three or four, which probably should have happened a lot more than it did. But I think my favourite game on a personal level was the promotion at Lincoln, just for the fact that it was Lincoln. It was in their ground. Their fans on social media had been all over us because... Because they've beaten us on penalties in the in the King Trophy and drawn to us at Thingy, they thought they had some god divine right that they were going to beat us at home. I just lo- I just loved the way that we silenced them. Um, I loved the way that 
it was kind of an entertaining game because we absolutely battered them for 45 minutes and then they switched it around and they were the better team for like 30, 35 minutes and then it just turned into an all-out slugfest from one side to the other. It was really entertaining. And obviously to win promotion in their backyard, it was class to see us win promotion after, you know, looking at our running, which, which if you go back a few weeks, looked really tough. Um, I think we had one of the hardest runnings really with the teams that we had to play. You know, you look at the likes of Lincoln, Peterborough, um, Plymouth away. Well, um, only a couple we, of days earlier we'd played Sunderland. Yeah, Sunderland as well. We yeah, still, so we still had a chance at the time of catching. Yeah, top. so the fact that we, you know, came out unscathed out of all of those games, and only lost the only game that we lost from the, that point to the end of the season was the non-game that didn't matter, and we dropped Honeyman four, and you know it was. I just the Lincoln game. I just I I got very drunk. I enjoyed it, and I just. I'm always going to look back at that game now as, as as that that was the match. Obviously, winning the title was special, but because it was something I didn't think I'd see in quite a while. But no, favourite personally was the Lincoln game. I think performance-wise, I would say Portsmouth away. I thought I was quite worried about that game. Yeah, because going into it, Portsmouth side. were still up there. Yeah, the they, were, they were. They were. They were contenders for automatics, and we well, went they there. They had been top for a while as well at one point. Yeah, there was yeah, because it's that ironic photo of them saying stop the count when they were above us in the league. Two own goals from Watmore to avenge the two own goals that we scored, <laughs> which was always nice. Um, but to put four past them at Fratton Park, if the fans were there, what a day that would have been. Um, but yeah, yeah. We, we blew them out the out the park. I have a feeling if I'd been at the games, my favourite would have probably been Wimbledon because I remember that day was a fantastic day, sunny. It was, it was mid-February. It was a fantastic day. Going to a new stadium, 3-0 win. Yeah. If the fans had been there in, in the plow, new plough lane, it would, it would have been the right day. There's so no. many so many games this season you could say the same for. Lincoln um, Lincoln away would have been great. Um, I, I kind of... I, part of me wanted Lincoln to go up just so we could go to Lincoln away. But no. I preferred Blackpool going up, obviously. Um, nice boozy weekend in Blackpool. I'd rather um, see the Lincoln fans crack. You've got to say something, though. For, I do feel sorry slightly, like about 0.04% sorry for Lincoln fans because they watched us get promoted, then they yeah. played Peterborough when they got promoted, and then they played Blackpool when they got promoted. Yeah, all three promoted teams got promoted against Lincoln, which is a mad yeah. stat. There's also another stat that I saw today that's quite crazy. Championship, first, second, and third got promoted. League one, first, second, and third got promoted. League two, first, second, third, and fourth all got promoted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after all that then shall we go with the old I think this one's going to be quite funny because we know we know each other what we were predicting before this season <laughs> which you know quite a lot of people to be fair did where did you predict us to finish at the beginning of the season 12 I wasn't as doom and gloom 12. as you were no you were not <laughs> I was still I was still nowhere near promotions. If Joel was on this pod right now, he would be calling me out massively because he, he'll have screenshots of the messages I was sending him. Yeah, I predicted us to, to pretty much be in another relegation battle. But it was only on the basis of the fact that from other teams that I've seen that get stuck in that losing mentality, I think of Sunderland from, in the Premier League when they had, you know, when they finished so pop Derby, when they were in, in, when you get on that run where you just can't win games. Yeah, and you get relegated, and then them them same players are still at your club, and it's hard to shake it off and get you know 
you lose them players lose the confidence. The, the none of the fans wanted the manager in. He knew that. Um, yeah, I, I just thought that the, the, the toxicity people, in the club and, and, and the yeah. negative impact of last season would carry on. That's the thing. People need to remember when the pre-season predictions were made, it was straight after we had our worst run ever. Yeah. And we'd gone from 8th to 24th. And we'd lost our two shining lights of creativity. And we just looked like a team that was completely doomed to never get anywhere near the championship for a long time. I think it, it 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 rolls it on nicely, actually, to the fact that should we have a look at next season's championship? Because how do we think? Obviously, very early. We're not going to do a prediction of a finish yet, because it's far too early. But so this is the confirmed championship. So we've got Bournemouth, Barnsley, Birmingham, Blackburn, Blackpool, Bristol City, Cardiff City, Coventry Derby, Fulham, Huddersfield, Us, Luton, Middlesbrough, Millwall, Forest. Posh, Preston, QPR, Reading, Sheffield United, Stoke, Swansea and West Brom. Well, hopefully if the AFL get their fingers out, Derby will be swapped with Wickham, um, which would be nice. Yeah, I would, like, I, would like, I would like to see Derby. I don't out. imagine they'll but, do that until next season because they're cowards. Um, yeah. I think one of the positives of getting relegated from the Championship last time out was the fact that I think I had a conversation on Twitter with someone about this. We, we as a club became so overly reliant on Grisicki and Bowen to do absolutely everything in terms of creating and scoring goals that when we lost them, we actually had no idea how to score goals and win games. So the fact that we lost them too felt like a stone in the water went down as bomb of the league and then we've had to adapt and change and yeah, the, the club's rebuilt yeah find our style again in the championship and and try and get into what McCann probably tried to get us to play from from the start but then realised how good Bowen was to sort of think it to stay that way but now he's got it as everybody works together um, we now as a club have got goals all off the pitch now going into the championship which on a, I think is going to be one of the most competitive championships we've had in a while. Usually you look at a league and you say, that team's going up, they're going down. I, other than usual suspects of Fulham, West Brom, that will probably be up there, I can't put money on a definite, they're going to automatic promotion, they're bomb free. I can't. I think it's going to be a very even league. And I think that, we have got players in our team that are young, hungry, on form. It's obviously a dressing room that's in harmony, that works. And hopefully with fans back in and maybe the new owner, um, next season we could be pushing mid-table. I'm glad you said that. Oh, Christ, I thought he was going to go too far then. No, 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 no. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not going too far anymore. I'm going to sit on the fence because... Because um, I always get it wrong, <laughs> but you know, you look at, you, I mean, look at our squad and who's championship quality already. I would say Honeyman is. I'd say Doc, uh, Doherty is. I'd say Greaves definitely is. Alfie Jones is. Louis Coyle, Josh Emmanuel are. Cal Melder is. Um, Lewis Potter, Wilkes obviously is. McGinnis. All of our starting eleven are to me. I've, I just think that the issue lies in. I don't think we're going to get away with having a thin squad 
because like we saw this season, you take a vital cog out this starting eleven. Like if Honeyman doesn't play, if Docky doesn't play, we are nowhere near as good as we are. Which is obviously the same in every team. If you lose one of your best players, you're obviously not going to play as well. But yeah. I would like to see us have. And is that not the problem we had last season? You take Bowen out. We yeah, but that's, that's in a sense of of they literally carried our club, whereas I would argue that this Honeyman isn't the same carry situation. Us much. No, it, we you you take Bowen out of our squad, and what happens? Well, well, what would have happened happened. So, with Honeyman, I think we're quite capable of winning games. We just won't be in control of them as much. We have got decent players in the squad that we can replace with. I just. In a championship season, which you know you, you come up against ex Premier League players, um, experienced championship players, and we've got quite a young squad, so you know you, you got a, a little bit of inexperience on our side that can be exploited. So maybe you know, obviously, it's quite concerning that the Lonies have gone and we've lost what is it since promoted, we've lost six players if you include the Lonies, which has left us with quite a thin squad, but. We've got more than enough, I think, in some of the the, the youth players to, to make the jump up. I'd like to see Salam included in the team. I think he'll be very good. I think a couple of the the lads that featured last season in, in, in cup games and, and things like that, they're, they're more than capable of, you know, having a go on the bench. I just don't know what we're going to do transfer-wise. I mean, what do you what do you envisage seeing from us spending-wise? What, what are you expecting as, as, a, as a transfer window? Absolutely not a fucking clue. It's hard, isn't it? I mean, there's there's been a few claims that we're, we're working on a really tight budget. I just think it's hard because I don't really want to buy into this takeover talk, but I feel like we can't ignore it. What's your thoughts on that? I don't trust anything until there's official confirmation. Is what yeah, I'm about. I've been trying to stay out, out of out of reading about it and talking oh. about it because I just. Could We've been here before. Is that the reason that all these signings that we're getting linked with aren't happening? But well, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't know anything about the guy, so I'm not going to, you know, some people have been reading into things from sources that may or may not be true and flowing it about on social media saying this guy could be worse. It could be worse. It could be better. I mean, the thing is, is the lambs at the moment aren't brilliant. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's... It could very well be worse, and from what I've read, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound great. But I am willing to take the chance of trying something new in the hope that something's better, rather than sticking with what we've got, which isn't yeah. going to get better. I just uh, uh, the, the the financial thing of selling this club, I think, is what makes it hard to believe that anyone would buy us because obviously the Lambs haven't recovered the the loan debt. Oh, not fully anyway. The SMC had cost, is it 12 million? The exact amount. So he has asking for 20 million as a club, which would then add the 12 million from the SMC on top of that, which would make it 32 million. And then I don't know what they do in terms of the debt. Do they take a cut of future transfer revenue, whatever? I don't know. It's just, I just think we're, for a club that doesn't own its stadium, it's very hard to sell. And that worries me. It's hard to sell at the price that they want, definitely. Because I, I know that they were on about the fact that, you know, selling players is going to go towards reducing the asking price of the club because it'll go towards recovering what they put in to pay off the debt. Um, but if you look at, you know, we sold Bone for 20 million, which 
I'm sure all these add-ons have been now added because West Ham stayed up. I'm pretty sure that was some of the clauses, wasn't it? Could have been, I'm um, not 100%. So we're going to get upwards of 20 million for him in total. So whatever, they, it's just takeover talks, always more wishful thinking when you're a City fan because we all know, we all want to be out of this situation. The Alams want to be out of this situation. Everyone does and it just doesn't ever seem to happen. And Yeah, it's a tough one. Like we say, it's weird that that rumoured signings don't seem to be happening. Um, other teams are confirming players and and we don't seem to be doing anything but losing players. So it's interesting to watch it happen, but also one that you don't want to delve too far into because we've been here before and let down numerous times. So I think from that then, there isn't really much else to cover, is there? Obviously, we've had a great season. Done far better than what I expected us to, which we've just... <laughs> probably far better than most expected to, to be fair. Well, there's a couple yeah. of things. That, there is a couple of things which are obviously sad, in the form of obviously Chris Chilton and Colin Appleton. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's. I think the Chilo one was was a surprise to me because obviously we just it wasn't long ago that we did the push as a club on it for the Chilo appeal. Obviously losing a losing a club legend like that, top scorer, 222 goals, mad stats. Him and Waggy's partnership was class. It's a shame that. I wasn't old enough to ever watch them play because I've heard the stories and I've seen the videos and he was he looked some striker. And them two together were were a dream for any manager, I think. Um, obviously, we've all said, you know, thoughts go out to the family and friends and everyone. And then sad news today of Appleton, a big part of the city history in the 80s, especially. Another sad loss. You know, we're, lo- we're losing two great names that are affiliated with the club, but, you know, before my time, but, it's a club that we support and they've had an impact nonetheless. I don't know if you've, you probably know a bit more on the Appleton side than I do. Um, yeah, um, obviously Appleton managed us. He had two spells, didn't he? With us, he, had, he was with us. He came, obviously, he's from Scarborough, so he's from the area, similar to Chiller being from Sproley. Obviously got his promotion from the then fourth division. He only had a couple of years in charge, but he had a decent time at the City. And... They only missed out on promotion, I think, back-to-back promotions, but I think it was like a single goal, on goal difference. And obviously he came he came back and briefly took over in, I think it was 1989 as well. Killer. If any player ever, ever for Hull City should have a statue outside the KCOM, it's Chris Chillen. And I think yeah, actually, that's yeah, the best way of putting it, I think, to be honest. So what, so what would you... Because obviously... It's obvious that the club is organising something with the family to do something for him. Now, what do you think it's a name for the stand? Do you think it's a statue? A, a, stand, a, a stand being named after him is also a very important The only thing I think with the naming of a stand is obviously we share it with FC. So they would then claim that maybe one of their legends should have a stand as well. And then. Don't want to sound horrendous, but boo fucking who? <laughs> I think a statue is, there is, is also, there for, you know. There is outside also, the West Ham. There is also the shout because obviously there's people outside of Hull won't know, but there's Clive Sullivan Way and Roger Millwood Way, which are both parts of the A63, obviously going out of each side of Hull. But the middle part doesn't technically have a name. Yeah, true. There, the, 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 any way to be fair would be a good way to honour. There's, like, there's the right Carter Way, obviously in North Hull as well. So there is a, there is a couple of ones that are named after players, but. For me, a st- I know obviously there's the thing about statues, players and players do deserve them. But I think, like I said, if it if any player does for Hull City, 
it is Chris Chilton. Yeah, because realistically, is there any player in, in modern-day football, longevity with a club doesn't tend to be as long as it was back then. So the chances of somebody staying with us long enough to score more than Chilton is very, very slim. You know, you're looking yeah. at Keen Lewis Potter staying with us for the rest of his career and scoring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's it's got to be a player that's with us for a long time and, and that just doesn't happen in modern-day football. So... It's yeah, more only, than likely that, that Chilton's really going happens. to stay top scorer. That only really happens in modern-day football if a team isn't as Big successful. Club. Yeah, Stevie G, Frank Lampard, Terry, etc. It's They've got the money to entice them to stay, I suppose. Yeah. But all-time leading top goal scorer, statue outside the West Stand for me. I'd love that. You know, underneath the City badge, where the team bus rocks up, it would be nice. I don't think they'll do the stand with it being council and shared. I'd be surprised if they do. I'd like it, um, but I just can't see it happening. And then maybe the uh, like we say, the road, the road name, I think, is the way I expect them to go. I can see the council doing that because yeah. they've done the same with obviously like, say Clive Sullivan and Roger Millwood in recent years. The it's, only thing that leads me to believe it's a statue is the fact that the club tweeted and said that they're in talks with the family about what to do. No, the that club, be, I don't think you say that. That, be, that could just be in regards to what's going to happen on the one when City are back playing in front of a crowd. Because I imagine that first game will be a, no matter what, it'll be it'll be quite a nice occasion. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, two legends gone, which is a shame, on the back of a really successful season as well. You know, it's it's an unfortunate blip. You know, our thoughts go out to friends and family of all involved because... It's never nice, is it? Especially not in a year that's had so much loss. It's never nice as a fan to see a legend of your club go. Like we say, we'll try, we'll try and end it on a more positive note. We won the league. We're going to be in a competitive championship next season. Plan-wise for the podcast then, we're looking at we to do some Euro content. Maybe not just England-based, but just Euros in, as, as a whole. Yeah, I want to um, talk about Euros in general at some point. Yeah, so in terms of, of, of what content we can release, you may have seen that we've... We have asked a few of you to, to jump on episodes and talk about what you want to do. And um, we've got quite a few of you that that we're going to message soon and try and organise to get on and, and what we're going to talk about. We've got the Euros content, which we can probably do a similar thing, to be fair. You know, the more people to talk about football, the better, I would suppose. So hopefully we've got a regular sent, uh, stream of content coming out. We've got, obviously, we've stretched out onto TikTok as well. We've got the link tree, so the links for everything that, that is affiliated with us is now much easier to get to. So instead of, you know, getting in touch with one of us to, to direct you somewhere, whenever we release something, um, you can just see it on our tweet. There'll be a link tree that'll take you to our Spotify episode. Um, if you listen to it on Anchor, it'll be there. There's a Facebook page, Twitter page, link to the FIFA Factory group, obviously the podcast sponsors. You've got Fan Hub there as well. Pretty much everything's just in one place. So it's a lot easier. So hopefully, yeah, we'll get, quite a lot of content coming out from me in the summer and any of the any of you that have said that you wanted to come on we'll, we'll sort it out soon for you joel obviously couldn't make it onto this episode so we should see him back on quite soon hopefully i'm pretty sure he'll tweet us his views on on best player and whatever we, we, what we spoke about in this episode so is there anything else that you want to cover will or um fuck eurovision <laughs> <laughs> yes zero points love it I mean, I don't watch Eurovision, so I don't even care, but... I don't. Whatever. It's just that I wanted an excuse. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all political anyway. I'm not bothered. 
let's be honest here, the best Eurovision song ever was My Lovely Horse. So, <laughs> so yeah, other than that, there isn't really anything else to cover. Obviously, we've had a great season. Um, anyone that's listening, we, we always want to thank you for, for your continued support. We definitely didn't expect us to be hitting 1,500 views at this point of doing a podcast, or at least I didn't. Don't know about you, Will. I thought we'd be getting four or five listeners an episode and three of them would be us three. Just quitting maybe after of, about a month. Maybe one of our mums, yeah. So, obviously, fan hub's still a thing. Um, the season's not on, obviously, so you won't be able to predict teams and whatever. But Yeah, it's been a bit boring um, the season not on, to be honest. But with the next season coming up and obviously fans being able to attend games, um, a lot more of the features are going to be available because obviously you'll be able to check into matches so your fan score will be higher. The, I know that they're planning a lot more things to do, so keep an eye out for what they announce. Obviously, you've still got your fan shares. If you haven't checked for a while, um, check your fan share account because obviously you'll be able to redeem that for money at some point. What better way to get paid than by following your team on an app and listening to people like us? <laughs> um, so we're still a concept partner with them and we're looking forward to doing it next season. Championship, Fifth Factory, as you'll have already had at the beginning of this episode, still going strong. If you lost for something to do in summer, if the Euros bore you, which I can't imagine it does, but if you do want a different experience of FIFA, head over to Linktree and, and have a look at the group and judge for yourself. I would recommend you to try at least one season because the first season's free. So if you don't like it, then fair play. If you want to stay on, at least you've had your trial season, you know what it's all about. So other than that, I think that we've covered everything, haven't we? I think so. Um, it's just yeah. over to England. Last time City won a league title, England won the World Cup, so... Yes. Southgate. So the, the omens are there. <laughs> um, so obviously, we'll obviously try and chat about England at some point to keep your eyes out for that them episodes. Um, we'll try and mix it up with, obviously, the City content with the listeners and then the England ones. It'll probably be episode by episode. So just keep your eyes out. But as, as, as always, thanks for listening, guys. And um, catch you on the next episode. See you later, guys.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.